Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Jim Rome has never actually began this show by doing that until right now. And the reason for that is this. The episode obviously is awesome. And number two, it previews two of the most important things in sports right now. The NBA Finals and our very own Smack Off. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Stewie. That's right. Everybody's on the same page today. I like it. Until next week when Ritt runs the board. That's wrong. That's All right. wrong. So anyway, we popped, we pumped out episode 224. 224 of the Jim Rohn podcast yesterday, and for all those reasons, it was can't miss. A can't miss, must listen to conversation because a jungle legend made his original side hustle return. My dude, Tommy T, Tom Tolbert, did not disappoint because he never disappoints. Tommy T is my dude. If you know anything about me in this program, you know he and I go way, way back. Tommy T and I go way back, all the way back. All the way back to his active playing days in the NBA. All the way back, which brings me to the point, to the very first smack-off, which at that time was known as the Great American Smack-Off. Tommy T even participated in the great American smack-off, even though he was still a member of the Charlotte Hornets at that time. Yes, this is an active NBA player running smack in the very first main event all the way back in April of 1995. Back in the jungle, baby. Give you a little dose of things that you just don't need. You know? I really don't need every team trying to incorporate black into their colors, okay? It's getting a little sickening. Even the gangsters aren't wearing it anymore. They're going, hey, everybody's wearing this stuff. When you see a 29-year-old yuppie wearing a black Los Angeles Dodgers cap, cut your losses, okay? I don't need athletes who talk in the third person. So, Chris Weber, how'd you like the trade going from Golden State to Washington? Well, you know, Chris Weber really enjoyed the trade, and Chris Weber's just trying to settle down and... Excuse me. Excuse me. Are we talking to you? We need Chris Webbers or two of you guys. What are you like, Roseanne now? You have like 19 different personalities. I don't need owners complaining. I need a salary cap. My team's losing money every year. Well, here's an idea. Sell the team. And here's another idea for you. Don't worry about the talent. Get a good coach and teach some of these high-paid sports clowns some fundamentals. That's right. I said it. Fundamentals. Nah, that'd be too easy. I don't need Michael Jordan taking all my boy Steve Kerr's shots. I don't need scoring updates telling me the Knicks are leading the Magic 4-2 with 11.45 left in the first quarter. What is that? And on a closing note, I don't need any more comparisons to Hawk and Lube. Good night now. (laughs) Tell you what. I don't need Michael Jordan taking any more of my boy Steve Kerr's shots. I love that line back in 95. I love it even today because Tommy T stuff still holds up. That's what the great American smack-off sounded like back in 95. But 
the fact that he's still going as strong as he is right now really should not surprise anybody. And when I say going strong, he's still dominating afternoon drive radio in the Bay Area all these years, years later, which is why I had to run him back, find him for this week, because the dubs are going to roll back into the finals for the first time in three years. So staying on the topic of Tom's guy, Steve Kerr, they do go way back. They, of course, made that Final Four run together at Arizona back in 1988. Tommy T knew all the way back then that there was just something next level about the way that dude could lead. He's exactly who I thought he would be. He was our coach on the court when we played under Lute Olson. He didn't play his junior year. He ripped up his knee in the world games. And it was probably the best thing that happened to us. I don't know if we were quite ready at that point to be a, a Final Four team. But when he came back, you knew exactly what we were missing. Leadership, direction. I mean, obviously, he was deadly from behind the arc. He shot like 60% from three. So, I mean, we all know he could shoot. But he was just a leader. He's a guy that you just followed. And I've been around enough people. You know who leaders are when you see them. And that's who he was. And I knew he wanted to get into coaching. He thought he would get into coaching earlier. Nobody thought he was going to have a 15-year NBA career. Nobody, including himself. I think he was thinking about, well, I got drafted by Phoenix. This doesn't last. You know, we tried to get into coaching. And then it lasted. And then it kept lasting and kept lasting. And then he kept collecting rings. He was on five championship teams when he played, but he's a winner. He knows how to listen to people. He's relatable. He's demanding. There's no doubt about it. But I just figured this was who he was going to be. He was going to lead something. I figured it was a basketball team, but if it was something else, I wouldn't have been surprised. That's just who he is. I mean, that is a great, great breakdown of Steve Kerr from a dude who would know better than pretty much anybody else that he's a winner, a listener, he's relatable, he's demanding, and a natural-born leader. Tommy T also had an amazing breakdown of Draymond Green, which makes it two weeks in a row now that my guest on the side hustle veered way the hell out of the way to pump up Draymond. I don't know if you can truly appreciate Draymond unless you watch him play every single game because his numbers are nothing eye-popping. But then you watch him play, and you watch him run the offense, and you watch him direct players. He's got to be the best help side defender I've ever seen. He knows what's going on before it happens. I mean, he is so sharp, but when it comes to hoops, I mean, he's a genius. Andrew Bogut was going to do the weekly show with us, but Andrew Bogut got hurt. So they said, well, we're going to give you somebody that's on the active roster. I was like, okay, cool. They go, what do you think about Draymond? I go, that's fine. I didn't know anything about Draymond. And just talking to him, I was like, damn, this dude's sharp. We were talking about hoops and about angles and about setting picks and about defenses and about rotations and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this guy, he's on it. And that was when he was super young. I mean, when you listen to him, you can agree with him or not agree with him if you want to. He watches, he reads. I mean, he knows what he's talking about. Like, he'll read something and have a complete opposite opinion of you, possibly. But he's read it. Like, he's done the research. And, yeah, if he were a billionaire, I mean, that's a lot of money. But I wouldn't put anything past this dude. Nothing. I agree. Draymond is a genius on the court. I agree with that. And he has billionaire potential off of the court after he hangs him up. And yes, you heard me correctly. Billionaire with a B. And by the way, poker icon Phil Helmuth 
told me the exact same thing last week when I found out that Draymond is also the best poker player in the association. Draymond is the best poker player in the NBA. Westbrook's really good too, but Draymond I've worked with through the pandemic. We played six times a week. I was always texting him, you can do this better, that better. But he's also a brilliant strategist. And you see it on the basketball court. Draymond Green is going to be a billionaire for sure. And he's hanging out with my super group of guys in Palo Alto, a bunch of billionaires. And these guys all have VC firms. And he's going to be able to write his ticket. He could obviously work like it inside the NBA, but I'm really impressed with Day Day. So if you missed Phil Helmuth last week, you need to go back for that too as soon as possible. That was also an amazing conversation. And if you're dragging your feet on the return of Tommy T, you've got to give that a spin too because we are on a heater, a heater on the original side hustle. So I start with that because he helps preview the NBA Finals. He helps preview the smack off. So as soon as this show ends, you want to go down and track down episodes 223 and 224 of the Jim Rome podcast, and you can thank me later for that. And as long as we are talking about podcasts and side hustles and side hustles to the side hustles, I've got one more thing I want to hit you with right off the very top. This is something that is its more than a passion play. It's really, really important to me. And I've been working this thing really, really hard. The team has. Episode 46. So I have multiple podcasts. And I want to hit this right now. Episode 46 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome drops tomorrow morning. And you won't be all jammed up and way behind. I want you to know about this. You'll be ready for it. I want you to be ready for the conversation I had with actor Terry Crews. I had a sit-down or a conversation with Terry Crews yesterday, and it's absolutely mind-blowing. Quick preview of what I mean. Terry Crews, actor and former NFLer, broke down his mindset. And this is in case you have missed this podcast and don't know what it's about. It's about mindset. It's about transformation. It's about reinvention. Terry breaks down his mindset of entitlement after his NFL career ended, and he explained why pro athletes have, quote, fake discipline. As an athlete, you know, you think you have discipline, but it's it's not. It's really fake because you have a coach telling you when to wake up, when to eat, when to go to sleep. It's not self-discipline. And the only discipline that works is self-discipline. And when I retired, I had a sense of entitlement, man, which was crazy. You know, after all these years of bouncing around the NFL, I felt the world owed me a living. I'm owed some sort of Hollywood career because again, you had people who were telling you how great you were the whole time. And then the reality started to hit in. And, my, and what was crazy is my wife was telling me the whole time, hey, Terry, you need a job, man. We are going broke. And I wouldn't do it. And I had a friend and he would give me loans and I would beg this guy for more and more loans. I must've took like 20 loans from this dude. And then one day he told me, no. I was like, what? Wait, uh, you know, I just need one more loan. He was like, no, nah, man, that's it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. But in my mind, I was like, how in the hell? He's supposed to be my friend. How in the world is this dude gonna turn me down for a loan? I was so entitled that I thought he owed me the money. And a little voice came to me and it said, hey, man, why are you angry at the only man who helped you in the first place? And all of a sudden, I saw myself as I really was. I was this entitled guy who would not grow up. I mean, 
That's just the tip of the iceberg of an amazing conversation. This is what I'm doing off over there. When you hear me talk about the reinvention project, this is an incredible conversation with actor Terry Crews. So keep an ear out for episode 46 of the reinvention project with Jim Rome. You've got the daily show, Every single day, Monday through Friday. Then you've got the Jim Rohn Podcast on Wednesdays. Then the Reinvention Project also out there every other Friday. So lots to get caught up on. Do not miss any of this. Find it after the program. Some really good content that is exclusive and it's premium and it's free. You just need to go find it. Or better yet, if you subscribe to the podcast, you don't have to find Jack. It will find you every single week. So two amazing conversations that you would not have heard on this program if I didn't play them off the top. My guy Tommy T is awesome, amazing. And Terry Crews, who I'd never met before, showed up in a way that I could have never, ever expected. I knew it would be good, but it was so much better than even I expected. Oh, yeah, I love that sound. It makes me smile. It does make me happy because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. That way, upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and then effortlessly stay informed. Hey, believe me, I know where this podcast started. I know what we used to try to sell. I know where we are right now, and I know what we sell right now. Shopify has everything to do with that. In other words, like mine, Shopify powers over millions of businesses, millions from first sale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility, powered by Shopify. You know what? Find out for yourself. Try it out for yourself. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E, Rome, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Again, try it out for yourself. Take it for a test drive. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash Rome right now. Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Good friend of the program. He is Sam Amick, and he is back. Sam, what's going on? How are you? Rome, you're doing great, brother. How are you, sir? Good, dude, good. So good to have you back, Sam. Thanks for making time for us. Game one of the of finals tonight as you write for The Athletic. Boston and Golden State, Sam, have taken really different paths to the finals. The Celtics look like an absolute mess in December. They were sitting in 11th place in the middle of January. Exactly what has changed for them since that time? I mean, they had a bit of an identity crisis, and uh, and Ime Odoka, to his credit, you know, kind of took it head on. They're sitting there at 23 and 24 record-wise at the time, and Ime in his first year, you know, a lot of coaches, uh, I think in their first year, having never been a head coach before, might be somewhat tentative about, you know, taking on the franchise players, you know, guys like Tatum and, and Brown. And he essentially went at them and Marcus Smart, too, on the idea of offensively, uh, they weren't selfless enough. They were pounding the ball too much. Um, and then leaning into the defensive side and how great they are there. Tough conversations, you know, one particular film session where uh, Ime had put together a video clip of essentially 75 terrible plays from a five-game 
West Coast trip they had early on and, and kind of, you know, publicly shamed, at least within that group, uh, everybody who wasn't bringing it uh, well enough. And it was one of those things where coaching-wise, as long as you make it clear that, that nobody is, is immune to the criticism and the analysis, then, you know, that's, that's how the culture was going to be. And it resonated. And these guys figured it out. They got healthy, too. They had some injury stuff at the time. But uh, it's, it's one of the most unique and impressive turnarounds that I've seen in, in all my time covering the league. Agreed. It's amazing. Sam Amick is joining us. So, Sam, in terms of Golden State, if we were to go back even further prior to this year, I mean, it's worth repeating that the Warriors' dynasty looked like it was done after they lost to the Raptors in the finals. They had lost Kevin Durant in free agency. They <clears> lost Clay Thompson for multiple seasons. They were piecing things together with guys like D'Angelo Russell. All that said, how impressive is it that three years later they are right back in the finals again? Yeah, I mean, it's it's stunning. Uh, you know, we talk about the in-season turnaround and how incredible that is for Boston. Like you said, Jim, the, the Warriors thing is it's just kind of a bigger arc. But, I mean, if you would have asked me if they were going to contend for titles, post-Kevin Durant, you know, post-Clay Thompson with these two devastating injuries, you know, uh, even Steph Curry being as great as he is, I, I didn't see it. And I didn't see it this year. So then they get off to that 18-2 start, and you're going, good Lord, okay, I guess they're back. And, you know, we thought – that was going to be the team we saw. But then they had their own injury stuff, and they just weren't playing as well, and, and they kind of went up and down again. But um, it's impressive, and, and it's one of those things now where the legacy discussion that we always have, not just individual players, but kind of teams and eras, these guys have a, a real chance to, to put themselves, you know, even more in that conversation with the old Bulls teams and some of those Lakers teams and, and the Celtics from back in the day. So, um, you know, they got a lot on the line, too. Agreed. Sam Amick is joining us. Sam, you spoke to Clay after they won the Western Conference Finals. How would you describe his mood? I mean, given everything that he's gone through, given what this game means to him, what does the return to the finals mean to him personally? It's honestly fun to watch just from a life standpoint um, because, I mean, I've covered Clay since the very beginning. I, I remember when the Kings had a draft workout for him coming out of Washington State, and I always have this kind of memory of, of this kid with, with little peak fuzz on his face and, and finding his way in the NBA and, and turning into this kind of a player. And now he's this grown man who, you know, take money aside. I always say, like, yeah, these guys make a lot of money. But, you know, in terms of passion and, and you know, enjoying what you do for a living, basketball was taken away from him for a long time. And so it has now kind of spawned this incredibly reflective, appreciative, I think, humble uh, person who – tries to soak up every experience and every day. And, you know, when they win the West Finals, you know, he's going down memory lane and, and making sure that he, he appreciates it and enjoys it. And it's, it's neat to watch. And, and obviously he keeps finding his way in terms of his game. He's not the same defender that he was before, but he's getting there. And, and offensively, you know, this guy can still give you 40, you know, with, without batting an eye if you let him. Sam Amick is joining us. Sam, what about Boston in the sense that as good as they've been, and they've been great in the second half of the regular season and even at times in the playoffs, but, man, there have been some games in the postseason where they look terrible. I mean, like really (laughs) terrible and inexplicable. Games where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just vanish on offense altogether. How do you explain that, and then how big of a concern might that be going into this series? Yeah, I mean, I, so I've been picking the Warriors in six, and, and that, that's partly why, Jim, is the Celtics, as talented as they are, uh, they've obviously never been on the final stage. They showed that kind of inconsistency earlier in the playoffs. I mean, as, as one, uh, I talked to a front office 
executive where we had a story where anonymously these guys kind of analyzed the series, and, and he made a point kind of like you are of saying, like, they F around a lot in the playoffs, and it, it makes you wonder about their consistency. And the offensive side is where they, they tend to, to lose their way sometimes, um, and that's where I find their makeup so interesting because Marcus Smart such a fantastic player, and defensively we know what he brings, but offensively a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde. He's got nights where he might be giving you 12 assists and, and, and moving that ball around like you, you feel like they should. And then you see him take five straight shots at the end of Game 7, and, and they almost gift wrap that thing for the Heat and send them to the final. So um, that is also, I think, why the series is going to be fun because the Warriors have their own version of that. You know, Jordan Poole defensively struggles. They've got some other vulnerabilities. Um, and I think both sides are uncertain enough or inconsistent enough that it's going to make for, for good action. We are talking to Sam Amick for a few more mi- minutes. Marcus Smart, Sam, to me is really interesting because I agree with you. Watching him in Game 7, I'm like, man, this dude is going to shoot them right out of this game and this right. ser- series and season. He is banged up. All right, so nobody would ever question this guy's grit, his heart, his toughness. You know he's going to want to battle Steph Curry for absolutely everything, but I'm no doctor, but he does not seem close to 100%. What do you think that battle is going to look like? It's going to be a tough one for Marcus and, and the rest of the group. There's there's a stat I keep dropping that I, I think is just pretty wild and mind-blowing considering the way that it cuts into the narrative about the Celtics defense is as great as they are. If you take away the last matchup where, remember, Steph gets hurt when Marcus Smart hits the floor, and that's the injury that wipes Steph out for a lot of the late regular season. The previous six matchups between the Warriors and Celtics, Steph gave those guys 35 a game, and he shot 52% from three. So, like, the idea that, you know, I think we still are guilty of with Steph thinking, oh, is he going to be able to handle the, this physical defense? And it's like, this dude has been destroying them for a few years now. And so you take that history combined with the fact that Marcus has got a, a bum wheel, that's not a recipe for success. I think it's going to be tough for them to slow Steph down. We're talking to Sam Amick for a couple of more moments. Sam, what about that? When you talk about them being physical on defense, they are. Boston likes to be really physical on defense. So how important is the officiating going to be in this series? And is this something that you expect to be consistent throughout the series, or might it actually change game to game? Tough to tell on that one. I, I do think the officiating is going to be massive uh, in terms of its importance because if it's going to be, you know, 80s playoff basketball, then it's probably Boston in five or six. You know what I mean? Like they, the Warriors won't be able to compete with that. But the Warriors are the team that if you had to pick kind of a poster child of the, the NBA's freedom of movement philosophy that they've emphasized in this era, uh, you know, that aids a team like the Warriors more than anybody with the way they function offensively. So, that, that is the part where it's, it's always tough to analyze it and, and figure out, you know, where the refs' minds are going to be and what the conversations are behind the scenes. Um, but but it's going to be a huge factor for sure. Sam, like, I hate talking about the officials. I never want to talk about it, but it seems to me in this matchup especially, it's huge. It is huge how they yeah. officiate this series. Let me ask you this before you go. It seems like every single time you and I talk – over the last few years, we always end up talking about the Lakers. I have to keep the tradition alive then. What do you make of their choice of Darvin Ham as their head coach? I like it. Um, I, I give him credit for, you know, not going. You know, they're going for a guy who has been considered, you know, unofficially kind of next up in the assistant coaching ranks for quite some time and a guy who's got a lot of respect. But, but the Lakers in the past um, have 
you know, made moves, you know, whether it's going to get a Westbrook or, or chasing, you know, the biggest uh, free agent out there, they, they are a star organization, right? And, and I thought, you know, maybe they'd make a mistake in this coaching search early on of, of just chasing a name. And they didn't do that. You know, Darvin is going to be unproven, of course, because that's the nature of being a first-time head coach. But his toughness is well chronicled. His, you know, ability to connect with stars and to be tough on them. And he's, I think his profile is actually somewhat uh, analogous to Anime Udoka. And I think that, you know, I don't know exactly if this was part of the Lakers' calculus, but, you know, I would have to imagine if you see the Udokas out there, the Willie Greens out in New Orleans, you see – you know, teams having success with head coaches who haven't done it, when you find special qualities, you know, you should go ahead and, and, and kind of gravitate to that rather than worrying about uh, the resume and what, what hasn't been on it. So, you know, but with them, you know this, like the roster's flawed, and, and that's going to, at the end of the day, determine how they do. Exactly. I was going to say, wait, what? The Lakers made a good decision? Oh, wait a minute. Their roster's garbage. But, right. but I agree with you, though. I think they made a potentially a good decision. He's a senior NBA writer for The Athletic. He is host of the Tampering Podcast. And every time I bring him on, it's a good decision on my part. Sam, I appreciate it so much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Great talking to you. Likewise. Thanks, Romy. Appreciate you. The prices soaring at the pump. Discover's got your back with cash back. Use Discover to earn 5% cash back at gas stations and Target now through June on up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. We know every dollar matters right now, but you can Today, count on us. We get up to $75 cash back this One quarter with said, Discover it. card. It's Limitations do apply. Learn more it up, at discover.com slash rewards. That's why you're doing the head today. That is not why I'm doing the head today. I'm doing the head today because the head said to me earlier in the week, hey, you know what, boss? Thursday might make more sense. And I said, you know what, head? You're right. You're right. So, head, there's a hell of a lot to hit right now. So, there is no way, and you were right, no way we can wait until tomorrow to get to you so we can get down right now and make some paper heading into the weekend, even though it's a day early. So, head, how are you living? I'm living great, Jim. Big Colorado day here in the jungle. I'm, I'm living great. Yeah, yeah, it is a big Colorado day. So you just gave it up. Now I know where you live finally. <laughs> Thanks for letting that slip. Today, hey, more importantly, yeah. more importantly mm-hmm. I need a quick update on the dog wash, Ooh. which is being built into the Surf and Suds Car Wash Detail Center. That's right. What's the update? Product is extremely hard to get right now, Jim. Um, right. I can't order bleep, supply chain problems so now i'm trying to reconfigure an old modem myself to help the dog wash but we're about a month out of the dog wash being complete here all right so does the dog wash get its own name as of right now it doesn't but that's a that's a great idea maybe i could uh solicit a few ideas from the clones maybe they could help yeah i'm sure they could help you with that let me ask you this (laughs) you're having trouble getting product but do you specialize in any breed of dog any and all dogs in the Rocky Mountain region are welcome at Surf and Suds Detail Center, Jim, except for Paul's dog because I don't need a dog filibustering about Brandon in my wash bays. I need to make some money here. Oh, that's okay. that's, I was going to say, that's funny. Except you love that dog, don't you? Where do you come I, out? It's dude, so The dog is so polarizing. I need to know you have an opinion on all things, most of which I do not agree with, but where do you come out on Paul's dog? I love that mutt. That mutt is brilliant. He comes 
one time to, to show up the way he did is one thing, but every time he comes in, he's better than the last time. And then that, hello, Jim Rome. That's my favorite sound bite right now. Oh, in the Jim Rome. Hello, <laughs> Jim Rome. All right, so there you go, clones. Say what you want about the big head. He loves the dog. All right, head, we're getting off track. Let's get back to doing what we do best, namely. Do well, why don't we get back? to doing what you do best, namely wrecking the English language, That's right. getting down, and getting folks paid. Let's start with game one of the NBA Finals, Mav. Golden State v. Boston. I love the matchup. Personally, I think the Warriors are rested. They're mm-hmm. balanced. They've got multiple weapons. They've been here before. They're favored both tonight and in the series, and I can see why. It doesn't mean it's a lock. Boston, although they can be confusing at hell at times to me, mm-hmm. they're gritty as hell. We know they're relentless defensively. What is the number for those who have not seen it because it has not been changing, and mm-hmm. how are you playing it? The number for game one is Golden State minus three and a half. I'm taking the Warriors and laying the points here. A few things I like. Golden State has rest on their side, three extra days on a Boston team that has been flying across the country this past week. Also, their main rotation is healthier, and they might get one of their trio that's been down and banged up back. Gary Payton II, Iggy or Otto Porto Jr., one of them might play tonight. That helps. Plus, Golden State's offense favors them big time early in series for teams preparing for them. It's just different than what Boston has seen. I like that. Also, the Celtics lost their last two game ones and needed that Tatum winner to beat Brooklyn in game one of their first round. Add the fact that under Steve Kerr, the Warriors are 21-2 and in game ones, and Golden State this postseason are 7-2 and as the home favorite. That's a 77% cover. I feel like the line should be around five to six. Let's go Warriors minus three and a half. Wow, five to six. I'll tell you what, I was going to say, I agree with everything you said. Everything you said until that last point, but I agree with you. I've already hit it myself. I've hit Golden State minus three and a half. I do not mind laying the points myself. So you and I are on the same page. I've already hit that. Are you going to play the series overall, or did you hit that thing earlier? Yeah, so I took the Warriors at plus 850 as one of my two picks um, Look at you. postseason. Eight, Look at yes. you. When, when did you get them at plus 850? Before we started the postseason big head bets, we had a segment on there for futures right. play, and I took them. So right. plus 850. That's right. That's right. That's, that's good right. money right there. That's that could right. make up for a lot of bad decisions right. if they could finish this thing. So right now, DraftKings has Golden State as the minus 150 favorite to Boston's plus 130 dog. That is the closest NBA Finals series price in 15 years now. Finally, meaning um, after butthole ball for the entire postseason, we should have a banger of an NBA Finals here. The analytics world loves Boston, though, Jim, big time. They, they are absolutely all over Boston, but I'm going to go Warriors here at that price if I had to take it, minus 150. Both teams have great defenses, as we, as we know, but I think that Golden State offense is a difference. They have the highest offensive rating of any postseason team right now or or the entire postseason and when clay steph tatum and brown all struggle at times like they will the warriors have more guys who can step up they have more depth more dudes who can get buckets and ball movement 
not the CP3 kind of ball movement, but a free-flowing one, you know, kind of get easier looks for him. Huh? Also, yeah, a little bit different out there. Sorry, took it somewhere else. Yeah, Jordan, you did. Jordan Poole. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though, actually. I think that uh, the thing about Boston, like, not only, well, okay, first of all, both teams have trouble taking care of the ball. Mm-hmm. Boston oh. is weird to me. Like, sometimes they just do weird things that I don't get. I love them defensively. I know that Golden State's never seen anything like that defense. I just don't think that Boston can outscore Golden State four times in that series. So I'm with you, too. Yes. But again, you were smart, Head. You got plus 850 plus in order 850. to have to deal with minus 150. One more thing. One more thing. Mm-hmm. Is Steph finally going to get his first NBA Finals MVP? Or are you going to lean elsewhere for that hardware? So he's the favorite, and if Golden State wins, he should. The MVP will go to the winning team. It always does outside of that non-angry logo who won it back in the day. So he's the favorite at plus 110. Tatum is the second choice at plus 170. Brown is good value if you like the Celtics at plus 1,100. Clay is plus 1,500. So, yes, the smart play with the narrative of uh, Steph being out there, never winning one, and it's running rampant around all the talking heads right now. Steph would be the uh, smart play, but I'm going to actually take a huge shot here, Jim. I'm going to go Andrew Wiggins at plus 2,500. Yes, big, big swing. Logic being, yes, if Boston's defense, Marcus Smart, and really a collective effort can slow Steph, and he doesn't shoot great, it could possibly open up, you know, another warrior to win this thing. And if Wiggins goes Iggy and D's Tatum up like Iggy did back in the day to LeBron while continuing to play a good all-around game, which he has been, he might have a chance at this. He's playing great. He was tied uh, Clay for second in scoring in the Dallas series. He's second on the Warriors in rebounding this postseason. And if he shoots the ball... Uh, the three ball like he did all in the regular season, which he actually had the best three-point percentage of any Warrior this season, better than Clay and Steph at 39%. Maybe, just maybe, he can win this thing. And at plus 2,500, why not take a shot? That is the smartest thing I've ever heard somebody illiterate say. You're right. You're right. They may force the ball out of Steph's hands. And then what? I, I get that. Let's Somebody, talk. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well done. I, I like that play a lot, actually. Let's talk some puck. Okay. As hyped as I am on Celtics v. Dubs, I'm going to argue that either or both of the conference finals in the NHL will be better than the NBA finals. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, yeah I meant mm-hmm. it. Game one of the Avs and Oilers was wild. An absolute shootout. Edmonton fell behind 7-3, only to nearly come back and shock the world when they made it 7-6. But your abs somehow survived the end. How are you playing game two? So, yeah, insane, insane game one. Game one had the highest over-under of any game in the Stanley Cup playoffs this postseason at seven. And not even ten minutes into the second period, the over was hit. The over-under here is now seven and a half for game two. Yes, there was 14 combined goals in game one. And news just broke right now that Darcy Kemper, the abs goalie, won't play. Hmm. But I'm going under here still. The Avs should play better uh, defense in front of uh, Pavel Fransos. I'm going to mess that up, of course. But he was actually pretty damn good all year. He had very similar stances, uh, stats as Kemper did all year. And also Edmonton's Mike Smith, he was yanked in game one. But he also was yanked in game one of the Calgary series. And he responded by playing much better the remainder of that series. And also Colorado's offense has been at their worst in games twos of the playoffs 
this year. Against Nashville, they scored twice, and against St. Louis, they scored once in losing to the Blues 4-1. to Game one terrifies you to go under here, and considering the fact that Edmonton is on fire, Jim, on the over, hitting about seven or eight trends of 80% or higher, I'm going to go under 7.5 goals at minus 135. All right, the under 7.5, minus 135. I'm not going to lie. I'm not even sure why I say that I'm not going to lie because I never lie, but I'm not going to lie. I hit the lightning last night against yeah. the Rangers. Yeah. I did, but the Rangers did it again, and they're looking more and more like a team of destiny if you believe in that type of thing, that ta- that team of destiny type of thing. Do you believe in that type of thing, Head, and how are you playing that series? Well, if I don't, I do believe in Gerard Gallant, the Rangers head coach. Um, he's the guy who brought a plus 20,000 expansion Vegas Golden Knights before the season started to the Stanley Cup final. The Rangers are good, and now dude, they are Dude, favored. walk that back. Plus 20,000. Yes. Can you imagine before hitting they that? Before they dropped the punk. Plus oh 20,000. And then get to the Stanley Cup final and then lose. It would just, oh, it, it, I mean... The Bengals at, you know, whatever they were, 75 plus 75 or something like that. It's crazy. It's crazy odds. But it's it's probably like the greatest coaching job in the history of sport of what that guy did. So if he did it with the Golden Knights, he could do it with the Rangers here. And now because they won game one, they are favored at minus 125. And Tampa is now the plus 105 to win the series. But like the Warriors, I'm going to, um, you know, uh, I don't know. Talk about my ego here. I took the Lightning plus 1,100 on the show before the postseason started, Jim. It was a very good play by me. Why, why, why are you all of a sudden getting lower? Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, so, know. Yeah, it was a very good play by me. Humble or, or, stuff. Or, uh, Humble I got, stuff. I got a dog wash, yeah. and what we do is we get soap, and we put it on that dog, <laughs> and the dog, uh, the dog goes out, comes out cleaner than he went in, and, and, and I make money. What are you talking about, man? Wait, how are you playing this series? So, I just asked you a direct question. I have Tampa Bay at plus 1,100. I'm going to take them at plus 105 to win this series. Um, they were sluggish in game one. They looked bad, and Andre Vasilevsky was very bad. He allowed six goals last night after allowing three their entire series against the President's Trophy-winning Florida Panthers last round. Three goals in four games against the Panthers, who averaged 4.15 goals per game during the season, which would rank 19th best scoring attack ever in terms of relative average. So... They will get better goaltending is my point. And sorry, New York, I'm going to go with Tampa here, plus 105 for the series. I like that. I like that. I get that. Hey, let me ask you something. Like, I understand that when I'm driving up the freeway and I go by the ports in Long Beach and I see all these gigantic tankers that are parked out there and there's product on those boats and they can't get it off the boats. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I know that if I go to, say, the Apple website and I try to order a laptop, I've got three or four months I have to wait. Why is there supply issues with dog soap? Well, not soap, equipment. Merchant equipment is the biggest problem. I got the soap. I got the soap in place, but it's like merchant equipment. It's anything right now. It's it's vacuum equipment. It's it's tunnel equipment. It's all kinds of stuff. So in Everything. other words, you're like, you're just like using like dish soap on your dogs or like well, or like well, Irish Spring or lava yet. or something, right? <laughs> no, we haven't washed one yet. We won't do that. We'll get the best possible soap for our dogs ever. I promise. Do, do they get? Do the dogs get punch cards too, like the car wash? Um, we might be able to set up something electrical, not an actual punch card though. But are you going to come up with some? Are you going to come up and jam people so hard with some stupid dog store like they have at every stupid car wash store, where they try and sell you everything that you don't need or want, and they try and jam you that way? Will Will there be dog products too? 
There will be dog products, but only the good stuff, Jim. Not nothing bad, not, nothing over the top. Just very, very good prime dog products that Dude, you. Dude, wh- why are you surfing suds? Should you not be skiing suds? Aren't you? Now that I know where you live, you're in Colorado, right? You're not in Huntington Beach. Why are you not skiing suds? Well, because I got a tunnel, and you know the car's surfing. Kind of, it's a, it's a very catchy name. It's it's very cool. No, it's you're in not. Neutral, it's, you're moving the it's either way. catchy nor cool, and on top of that, it's not accurate. <laughs> I don't want to tell you how to do your business, dude, because you obviously are a very, very successful dog entrepreneur. (laughs) And car wash and detail center entrepreneur. Very successful. That too. All All right. All right. Head quickly because we're already late. Who did you hit? Okay. Tonight, Golden State minus three and a half in game one over Boston. For the series, Warriors minus 150 to win the Larry O'Brien. Tonight, game two, Avs Oilers under seven and a half goals. And to win the East, I got Tampa Bay right now at plus 105. All right. Put it up on Twitter. Nice job, Head. Well done. Appreciate that. Appreciate you coming in one day early. I got a question for you. Why is Old Trapper beef jerky like the best thing ever? Well, there is something to be said for a family business, which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you choose Old Trapper, where you can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender, never tough, because they only use the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top quality spices to their real wood-fired smoke, Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite and... Old Trapper Jerky comes in four mouth-watering flavors. Old Fashioned, which is classic beef jerky flavor. Tender, smoky, and delicious. You've got teriyaki with the yellow label, where Old Trapper turned the flavor down to 11. Hot and spicy, with a spice so nice you'll want to snack twice. Peppered, tender, seasoned beef covered in cracked pepper. And you can grab and go with a four-ounce bag or load up with an 18-ounce bag. That way you've got enough for the entire team or fam or both. If you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? It was Thin Skin v. Red Ass. Or Sabin v. Fisher. Supposed to be a throwdown. Old men. Supposed to be giving each other the hands. I was so hyped for it. Instead, they gave us nothing. Absolutely nothing. In fact, worse than nothing. Nick Saban, of course, has been trying to walk his stuff back ever since he said what he said, and that sucked. But there was still hope that maybe Jimbo Fisher would keep this thing going. I mean, Jimbo snapped, lost his head, was running pretty hot. So even though Saban immediately tried to throw cold water on the whole thing, there was hope that when Jimbo hit the podium yesterday, Jimbo would show up and do Jimbo things. He gave us Jack Bleep. It's over with. We're done talking about it and what happens, and we're moving on to the future, what goes on, and try to fix the problems of what we have in college football. We're a lot more pressing needs than our arguments. Man, that is like the lamest thing I've ever heard. And by the way, no, that's not how that works, Jimbo. That's not how that works. This dude could not say, moving on, moving on, enough yesterday. That was embarrassing. And yes, of course, I've got a vested interest in this because I want to see these two keep going at each other, not because I really give a damn about either team or program, but because I honk team content hard. I honk thin skin v. red ass hard. Team content would have been the ultimate winner here. So of course, I want to see these two old blowhards let them hands go. 
But there's something else here because Jimbo was slinging some serious mud only a few moments ago, and now he just wants to move on. Hey, Jimbo, slow your bleeping roll. It's not over with. It's not over with, and we're not done talking about it. And you, of all people, are the last person who gets to say when it's over because you were the guy who was blubbering on about how, quote, despicable Nick Saban was. You were the one who was calling him, quote, a narcissist. You were the one saying that everybody should go and find all the Saban assistants and find out how terrible a guy and boss that he was. You were the one, Jimbo, who was saying that Saban should be slapped. You said that. You See? You said another coach, a 70-year-old dude, should be slapped for what he said. Oh, but now you're moving on. The hell you are, Jimbo. The hell you are. The hell it works that way. Not only that, but you actually had the gall to say this. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. Now, you know what's despicable? You acting like you didn't say that. You know what's despicable? You trying to, quote, move on from that, like five minutes after you said it. You were practically begging reporters to investigate Nick Saban and his recruiting habits. You were flat out accusing this guy of violating rules for years. You don't get to do that and then say a few days later, yeah, we're done talking about that. Yeah, no, that's not how that works, Jim. That's not how that works. Either you were talking out your ass when you said all of that, or you believe it and you want people to keep looking into it. Either you just snapped. You just snapped and you got all flustered and you said bleep that you shouldn't have said, or you believe exactly what you said and you're sticking by it. But no, you don't get to say nah, nah, that's in the past. We're just here to talk about fixing the game of college football. Are you kidding me with that? No, no, Pops. Give us names. Give us dates. Back up your claims of cheating. Man, be a man and do that. Or else everybody is going to think that you're either full of crap or you just got way too emotional and you snapped. Back up what you said, or everybody's going to know that Nick got under your skin and in your head, and you just flat out freaked out. Like, you might have thought that your act yesterday was professional and dignified, but it wasn't. There was nothing professional about that. There was nothing dignified about that. If anything, it was cowardly. Stand by your convictions. If you're going to fire off scuds like you did a couple of weeks back, be big enough to face the music for it. You can't go Mount Jimbo, open up your mouth, and start vomiting all this lava, and then try to say that everything is cool in the next moment. Like, I thought your integrity was questioned. I thought your character was questioned. I thought the school's character was questioned. 
You yourself were ready to go upside Saban's head a few days back. Oh, but now you're just good with it all. Now you're fine. Now you're just here to fix the problems that ail the sport. The two of you accused each other of being the worst dudes in college football and of ruining the sport. Oh, but now you're just fine with one another and, quote, we're moving on to try to fix the problems of what we have in college football. We're moving on to the future, what goes on, and try to fix the problems of what we have in college football. Dude, like five minutes ago, you were both accusing each other of being the biggest problem in college football. But now you're on the same page. Now you're fighting for the same thing. Now you're cool with each other. Yeah, the hell with that. No chance at all. Nobody believes that. The only thing we believe is that you do not have the conviction to stand by what you said, which means you're either liars or cowards or both. Either way, it's disappointing as hell. Feel free to never say jack about anything ever again because either nobody's going to believe you or you're just going to punk out and walk it all back five minutes after you say it anyway. Or both. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, that's not how that works, Jimbo. We're just moving on. We're just moving on. Yeah, we're just trying to fix football. No, no. That is not how that works. That's not how that goes. Nobody's buying that. Nobody's accepting that. And everybody thinks that's bullcrap. And yes, I'm speaking for everybody. I'm speaking for the rest of the world. Nobody is buying that bullcrap. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and Samer next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. I'm going to take you inside. Right before that segment started, Alvin said to me, and I quote, Athletic Greens Live Read Rocket Mortgage Open. To which I responded, Thank you, Alvin. To which he responded via sound drop in slow motion from Matt in LA, You're welcome. You're welcome. That's how we communicate, Alvin and I. So we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket can. That's just some inside radio for you. Inside jungle. All right, so the third hour is a busy hour. Very quickly, I've got Brian Servin. He's a catcher for the Rockies coming up at 1120. I've got Justin Simmons. He is a safety for the Denver Broncos coming up at 1140. I have a telephone number, which is toll free. 1-800-636-8686. I have to get this in right now because if I don't, I will once again get sidetracked and then I will lose another day. And I'm not having that happen. I don't know if any of you clones have checked a calendar in the past 48 hours. This is partly my fault, but a heads up for all of you and a reminder even to myself, reminder to self, it is June. That means we are officially in the month of 
as in the month of the Smack Off. Smack Off 28 is on June 24th. Now we are 15 shows away. Like, I am chasing hard. 15 shows. That's it. If you have jungle business to get handled, it is time to handle that business right now. If you need an invite to the event, right now is the time to call to try to rip that invite. If you are already in, right now is the time to RSVP. If you just want to be on TV, right now is the time to send us that 15-second prediction the 15-second prediction video. It will get played on the CBS Sports Network simulcast. We have been bumping back with them. Again, as long as it's 15 seconds, there is no vulgarity. There is no violence. There is no drugs. No drugs. Are no drugs. No alcohol. No homemade porn. No porn of any sort. I'm not asking for a hell of a lot here. Just make a prediction. Film it horizontally, if possible, and send it to smackoffvideos at gmail.com. If you're an old school clone trying to figure out the perfect time to step out of the shadows and back into the jungle spotlight, now is the time to do so. You might be thinking to yourself, it's been too long. I haven't called Roman 10 years. It won't work. It might work. It could work. Remember, Otis in Austin Otis in Austin, who I had not thought about in years, came out of nowhere a couple of weeks back. It was awesome. Yes, the Otis in Austin. Longtime clones will definitely remember this voice. You never forget a voice like this. Tom Cruise can make a comeback after almost 40 years and do a sequel to the Top Gun, and Otis can rise up out of mothballs. And try an RSVP for that there smack off. War Steve Elkington, War Nolan Ryan, War Eva Knievel, and that little know it all bastard Bob Truax, who burned up Gus Grissom, Tom Cut, and the rest of them astronauts under Cape Canaveral. Hey, no! I love that. It was incredible to hear from that guy. Not quite enough to get the golden ticket, but you could. He could have. It was incredible to hear from him, and it would be incredible to hear from any other old-school clones. We respect the OGs around here. By the way, just because he did not get that official invite does not mean that you won't. He shot his shot. He came close. I could not have been more hyped to hear from him. It just was not quite enough to rip the golden ticket. But I'm going to shout out to some of the other OGs. Jim in Fall River. I've been looking for that guy for 20 years. Kerwin in Riverside. Bobby in Brooklyn made an appearance a couple years back. Terrence in Sierra Madre. All made dudes who helped make the jungle what it is today. If you want to check in, if you want in, you might be able to rip a golden ticket with a single call. Think about it. Otis of all guys knew that. And Otis nearly pulled it off. So, I'm shouting out to anybody who has ever been in the Smack Off, regardless of how long ago it was. Hit me up. I'm talking about the show OGs. You know who you are. And speaking of an OG who does still come around, in fact, a lot more of late, is today's player profile. A dude who does go all the way back with the jungle. A dude who showed up for Smack Off 3 He has competed in six events, if my math is right, since then. 
He has ended up on the podium a couple of times. He has never stopped calling the show. He'll take time off, but inevitably, he always comes back. He is Gino in San Antonio. Gino has been in the jungle for a quarter of a century. He has. And he still gets in all the time, and he still makes a difference, and he still moves the needle, and he's still relevant. He still matters. This guy's made eight calls, eight so far in 2022, including this one a few weeks back where he claimed he no tipping pippined. No tipping pippin. He says he no tipping pippined, no tipping pippin in person. And lived to call up and brag about it. <laughs> Romy, sorry, uh, I can't help but have a little gallows humor. I was thinking when you're like, this guy might win the smack off this year. And I was like, yeah, you know what would help, Rome, is if you took my phone call this year, unlike last year. But, you know, I get it. My fault. Um, I walk into my local liquor store, and who's standing in there hyping his new bottle of bourbon called, tragically, Fingers, but Scotty Pippen. I lie to you not, Scotty Pippen is doing tastings around Austin. He happens to be in the store when I walk in. There's a whole line of people getting to sign the bottle they're buying, and I I just off the top of my head without even thinking about it, I go, no tipping Pippen! And the whole place just record scratches and stares at me. I kind of ease over, get my bottle of Tito's, and skulk out. Nobody thought it was funny except me. I mean, sort of hard to fathom. Sort of hard to believe, but then again, you never know with Gino. I mean, with Gino, maybe. With Gino, maybe. Dude is a wild card. The other thing about Gino, he wants in on the big day. He is the established king of the pre- and post-smack-off calls. But as you just heard, he is hungry. Hungry for the main event, even after all these years. This is why he is a jungle legend. Well, that... And for his epic week-long run at the city of Detroit back in 2011. If you did not know, Gino is Motor City's biggest hater. And ripping the hell out of Motown for a week straight was, in fact, his jungle masterpiece. All right, look, Detroit, you got to know your limitations. You got to know what you're good at. If we were talking about bankrupting the jungle, you'd have me. But this ain't checkers, this is chess. I know you're hoping that somebody's going to rise up from the ashes of your once literate city to defend you, but I got bad news. Mitch Album, he ain't walking through that door. Once he realized that the five people he was going to meet in heaven were all wearing Red Wings jerseys, he moved to L.A. And I can't blame him because if things get any worse in your city, the president's probably going to send in Snake Plissken to rescue Calvin Johnson. Face it, the only large society of people with the same values as you are prisoners. We're like brothers now, all right, Detroit? Let's put all this hatred behind this. I think we're good, all right? And I'm glad. I'm glad we're all friends now. Now, listen, I'm going to let you guys go because I know you got to go make a payment on your clothes. All right, peace. Only in Detroit can people buy school clothes for their kids, activate their cell phone, and buy dinner at the liquor store. You know what? I want to take this phone call to just point out some things that, that we have in common. I want to I make a little peace bridge between us here. Let's take your football games with Michigan, all right, the big house. You know? I don't fly to Ann Arbor, and you guys can't afford to go to the games because you spend all your gas money on Molotov cocktails. That right there is how you run smack on an entire city. And that's coming from somebody who loves the D, me. But I also love the show, and that's how you make the show better. 
which Gino has been doing literally since the mid-1990s. My bracket is completely destroyed after last night. I mean, I had Amy Schumer getting assaulted by Kirsten Dunst over that seed filler joke. 30 years from now, when your son picks up, I want to go, hey, Jake, your dad gave me a lifetime exemption, so tell your call screener from Alhambra High to quit jerking me around and put me on the air next time, all right? Dale, listen, you know, there's some things that you just cannot unhear. I didn't get my hands on Mike until after midnight is one of those things. Shale, read your take out loud before you go on the air and see if it still sounds good, bro. Those Canadian boys. Wow. Did I hear that you guys actually met Rich Ackerman? Wow, that is so cool. Last year, I was in a Taco Bell, and one of the Spurs ball boys walked right in. Couldn't believe it. So good for you guys. It's like having the hottest wife at a party, and she's wearing that LBD. So I get it. I get the hate, and that's our burden as Cowboys fans. But I will not give you a review that was not in the deal. What's in it for me, all of you worthless companies? Quit filling up my email box with requests for reviews. They're not coming. That just rolls out of bed and farts in a phone for three minutes wearing the same thong he's been wearing since preschool and cranks out win after win. Ah, I'm just so stupid, Rome. I got it all wrong. I want an informed opinion about something serious going on in sports. It's not coming from Jay Moore. The smack-off is for those souls who dare to put themselves out there on the line and risk defeat for the chance at glory. And I salute everybody that has ever called into the smack-off. Anyway, that was it, Rome. I will see you soon. That's Gino, a jungle OG who's still active and relevant and still stirring bleep up right in here. And most importantly, he's still hungry. He doesn't need the reinvention project. My man's still hungry, still starving for that smack-off strap. So, Gino, I know that I will hear from you on the 23rd and the 27th, but keep your eye on that belt. Yeah, I know, I know. You called last year. I didn't take your call, but I've been watching you in 2022. So you will be there. You will be there that day, and I fully expect you to bring that A game the day of. Because that's what you're about. Coming off the profile, right to the phones in San Antonio. Gino, what's up? Romy, bro, I really appreciate your actually taking my call. And you know, but listening to that profile, I mean, you kind of made it sound like I have some sort of special dislike for Detroit, which could not be farther from the truth. To quote Jan Rome, I really don't know much about them. You know, it's not like. I dislike the D or Michigan so much as that I just hate the entire Midwest. You know what? I mean, I hate their embarrassing Canadian light accent. I hate their fat, frostburned faces. And I really hate how they make every sentence sound like a question, no matter what they're talking about. They make it sound like a question. Yeah, you want to go with? You want to get some pop? No. No, I don't want to go with. All right? I don't want your pop. You know, Rome, much like our sponsor, AG1, this call is not, is, it's not going to be focused on sustainability. And I don't really know what an adaptogen is, so I'm pretty sure there's not going to be any of that in there. But it's definitely not going to be cruelty-free. And that's really your fault, Jim, because you've been asking for fr- fresh blood in the smack-off. And I think that's why you've been handing out golden tickets to tongue-tied tools like John in New York and Crisco and Wisco. I mean, you literally want to see these guys bleed on the jungle floor, don't you? Because because, you know, 
when you put apex predators that are going to be in the smack off in there and then you drop these wounded baby gazelles under the serengeti plains of the smack off they're all going to be thinking the same thing that i am romy we're all eating tonight boys and listen this thing with paul's dog it's cool it's your show romy we get it it's kind of a flex on your part allowing traditionally non-speaking things to join in but please don't let this get out of control you got paul's dog then you had fake paul's dog last week a goat called in i mean what's next we're gonna see kathleen and omaha's cat mate i mean is otis and austin's throat cancer gonna get a golden ticket the smack off used to be for humans that could speak but now we got things like crisco and wisco thinking that not getting run is a reason to get a tattoo hey crisco you're you're not a dynasty bro you're not tom brady you're more like antonio brown parading around the end zone with your shirt off waving like an idiot to no one you are no sort of jungle enforcer crisco you're no tommy fan you're not even jack peterson man you're like robin ventura's face after dr ryan and performed emergency reconstructive surgery on it at the mound. And frankly, when Benny, when his, when his latest heart stent finally collapses and he takes that big ride up to the sky to that bowl of lard, we're not going to need to hear from Wisco anymore. We don't need anybody else clogging up the veins of the jungle with ignorant takes. We have Matt in L.A. for that. But look on the bright side, Crisco. It's going to be over 30 degrees in a few weeks up in your neck of the woods, so we're, you're not going to need to saw through a frozen lake to catch dinner, and you can stop throwing bags of salt on the road and get back to throwing it over your breast, uh, your breakfast. And one more thing. Hold on a second, Romy. Hold on a second. Is that a Rancho Sanchez Vicario? Oh, my God. I think it, hey, Ranchi Chick from the barrio. It's me. Hey, Ranchi Chick. All right, I got to go, Rome. Ron- ah! That's not a good call. No. You don't like that car. I don't like that car. Not a very good car. I tell you what, man. I- I'm not sure what kind of fuel that dude's running on right about now. That is like peak Gino. I just said to you that Gino does not need... He got run. He did not need... Does not need the reinvention project. My man is running on premium fuel. He is peaking at the right time. That is the very definition of peaking at the right time. My only concern about Gino is that he peaks too soon. Good night, 